This is Dan Eaton, and this is Crisis Management, Columbus Business First's podcast about running a business during the COVID-19 pandemic. In this episode, I talk with Matt Harding, executive chef of Columbus-based Piata Italian Street Food. The fast casual chain is 40 restaurants in seven states. Those seven states include Texas, which allowed restaurants to reopen dining rooms on May 1st. So while Ohio restaurants are waiting on reopening guidance, Piata is already getting some firsthand experience. Harding talks about the measures Piata put into place, including which of those they expect to remain permanent, or at least longer term. Harding also shared what he calls the dirty secret of the restaurant industry and why he hopes that will change, and he talks about the pros and cons of using third-party delivery services. Thanks for listening. Well, hello. How are you doing today? Living the dream, man. <laughs> Thank you again for doing this. I know we chatted like a, a week or two ago. Things are, are even more timely now. I think some of the stuff that we we had even already covered, um, some of that's coming to fruition. But the one of the big reasons I wanted to talk with you is that Piata, of course, has operations in multiple states. Uh, one of which is Texas, which is opening on May 1st. So you guys yeah. are kind of on the front lines of restaurants reopening. So I'm kind of curious about what you're doing in Texas, uh, what those requirements are, and how that might apply to other restaurants. So what I did is I updated for you kind of what we're doing and where we were. Yep. Uh, and I sent that to you this morning. It's the template that we have, Dan, is the template that we have. In, in its scalable up or down. So the things that we have in place are going to be the minimum requirements for every state. So in other words, even though that Governor Wine marched back on the, the, the masks, mm-hmm. we, we will have masks. We're providing that team members. Um, it's just essential. I think that one of the things that, that, we're, that we built our platform, platform on reopening mm-hmm. for the guest is a platform of trust. So if we're going to choose something, we're going to choose it so the guests will choose to trust us more than not trust us. In terms of the things that we've been doing for a while, it's been the, the wellness checks. So every time you go to punch in as a team member on the computer screen, it asks you a series. It asks you if you've taken your temperature. Now, we don't have a space where they can write their temperature. But it asks you if you've been well, if you've been symptomatic, blah, blah, blah. If you answer yes, that you've had an issue to any of these, electronically, it won't allow you to clock it. And then you have to speak to a man who will allow you to clock it. Most people don't want to work free, plus it's against the law. So uh, that's how we're having it. We've also had, when this thing started, started in its initial phases, mm-hmm. we have a pretty robust HR email system. We had every team member send an email out to every team member and had them in-serviced on the wellness policy, the fact that they certified that they would not work if they were ill uh, for any reason. We outlined the expectation of if they were what they were to do. So we had them sign that. So we're doing as much as we can. We haven't gone to mandating temperature checks mm-hmm. because I, not that I'm a civil libertarian at all, but I just, you know, I don't know if we're always going to get it right. And then the onus is on us if somebody had a fever and, and we checked them wrong. But we do want them to verify that they don't have a fever. As far as Texas goes, you know, we are using, like for instance, the pieces that we've automatically done or we've removed 
all the silverware from the dining room. Mm-hmm. We one use cups. We've closed down our, our drink stations. We've increased sanitation procedures. And then for Texas specifically, we actually took a tape measure out and we redid our dining room. So mm-hmm. uh, we've got those very heavy tables and chairs. If you've been into a Piata, you know that, right? So what we've done is we actually zip tie the legs together on the tables and then we're putting a table tent on the tables so that the, um, the spacing can't be modified, right? You just can't pull a table apart. If you're pulling at the chair, it's gonna pull the other three chairs and then you're gonna see the sign. For the communal table, as you know, we have a lot of communal tables. Mm-hmm. Um, what we've done is we've actually created a PVC sticker that goes on the side of the wood so that when you come up to the table, you see this red sign that says for social distancing, you know, the scene is closed. So uh, from, from that standpoint, we know that every state, for the most part, is going to be similar but different, right? Mm-hmm. In Texas, 25%. In Ohio, uh, DeWine talked about 50% capacity for, for businesses. Whether or not it's different for restaurants, we'll see. Um, but those things, we're ready to, in, to integrate based on whatever percentage it is for every store that we have. So overall, it's a reopening plan for us. Mm-hmm. We've always remained open in, in 38 of 40 of our restaurants. We closed, uh, we closed Easton and we closed uh, Keystone, which will reopen the 11th. Retail is opening on the 11th. So we're gonna open our dining room at Easton on, on, on the 12th. So we'll reopen our dining room on the, uh, at Easton. Uh, for get for guests to come in again and in Keystone in Indianapolis. So, you know, we've got the plan. We've put the sneeze guards up at, mm-hmm. uh, on the cash in every one of our restaurants. We have secured PPE for the next 45 to 60 days. Mm-hmm. Now, I know what, I know it's going to go longer, but but for me, I don't feel comfortable with less than 45. I think Right now, it's going to be super hard to find PPE. And then in 45 to 60 days, there'll be enough companies that are capitalist companies that figure out how to make the stuff. So yeah. the market will be, will be easier to find at that point. But for us, literally, we've spent two to three hours on the phone every day searching, scouring, scrubbing for PPE. From a standpoint of being able to open the restaurant, it's been about the safety of the guest. And, and the safety of our team member. So with health checks, we're providing, we're providing PPE for them. Um, we just got a lead on a line on uh, fabric masks. So, and I think the mask thing is going to be with us mm-hmm. for a long time. When you look at some of the cultures, like in the East, you're traveling through the airport and you're like, what are these people doing wearing a mask? Well, all of a sudden, we're going to look at people who aren't wearing a mask and say the same thing. So we've got fabric masks and that'll be part of our team member uniform, right? So length of service, every, every person who comes to work with us, they get a couple masks every two to three, four weeks, they're getting another mask. Um, we wanna make sure that, that, again, that they're not becoming ill, that they're not mm-hmm. a source because they're our, our most valuable asset as our team members. But we also want the guests to understand that we're doing everything we absolutely can, whether it's more strict reinforcement um, in the dining room with sanitization procedures. We've allocated our business model, increased times to go out in the dining room 
So every 20 minutes we're doing a dining room or every 30 minutes we're doing a dining room sanitation. And we actually uh, sent out two little timers for our people who were designated dining room people. You know, a timer goes off, you go out there and that has to be the expectation. I think one of the things that the food service industry has always had, and I was talking about it with the marketing team today, is we've always had, there's always been this like rogue element of lawlessness. That's why people find restaurants. Yeah. But we can't, we can't fuddle with the health of the guest. And that can't, that's, that is a hundred percent non-negotiable. You touched on a little bit of this already, but of, of some of the changes that you're putting into place now, what are some that you think might be permanent or, or certainly longer term, not just a short term fix? You already mentioned, uh, mentioned masks. You know, I imagine capacity at some point will, will probably broaden, hopefully. I think necessarily at some point it'll hopefully broaden. But um, anything else that you've done uh, that you think, you know, this is this is for good? Like uh, drink stations. Like are the drink stations going to come out from behind the counter in the future? Or is that that's just been moved and that's just the way it's going to be? You know, I think masks in large public places you'll see more so. But I do suspect that what, and, and I talked about this and I, I caution to talk because it's it's an unknown dirty secret of the restaurant restaurant industry, but I feel like we've got to talk about it because it used to be a badge of honor in, and I would talk about more in fine dining than in, in, in fast casual, but when you were sick, you always showed up for work, right? Mm-hmm. In the I one time worked a shift when I was in D.C. as a young cook. I left work. I went right to the hospital and spent four days in the hospital with blood poisoning. And, and that was a badge of honor. And I think that's flipped on its ear where we're going to be overtly suspicious of people who look sick and mm-hmm. send them home. You know, before the days of you're going to get in here at all costs uh, is over. And it's, it's dangerous to talk about because then people will equate to their last several visits. Well, and who made me sick when I was eating in your restaurant? Now, we've always been pretty vigilant, and it's been easier in fast casual because of a lot of jobs are interchangeable. Um, but I think that will, that will definitely change forever. It's hard to talk about because it opens up guests' um, psyche to, have I been eating at a place that's been making me sick? That's just gone by the way of the dodo bird. I think that glove usage, if you haven't been using gloves, and, and, and glove usage is a funny one because if you put gloves on and you get lots of crap on your gloves, it makes no difference if you have dirty or dirty hands. Yeah. The perception from the guest is there. So, but I do, I do believe that, that what's here to stay is, is increased sanitization Mm -hmm. and hygiene expectations for the guest, for the industry. That's here to stay for forever. You know, the, the working, the working sick, I think that's a dirty underground thing, but I think that'll change forever. You know, and as far as social distancing, we will always be more suspicious of people. Mm-hmm. I was on a webinar from Hinda from Inspire yesterday, and they did it in conjunction with retail. And um, so it's retail and food service. And the number one thing that, that guests wanted from restaurants was masks. And the number one they think wanted from other uh, guests inside those environments was for them to wear masks. Yeah. So 
I think I think people are going to be more suspicious. There'll be more social distance, and I and I think mask use will be with us for a long time. And I think especially when you see it like cold and flu season, you'll see a lot more people just going out with masks on. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, they'll be they'll become one hundred and fifty dollars masks before. <laughs> of course, designer. You know, yeah, fancy ones. Yeah. So, um, the uh, I wanted to ask about employment because with reduced capacity in restaurants and with increased awareness of social distancing, which, which, you know, applies to your staff as well, I guess, how, how are your, your kind of per restaurant employment numbers? Are they the same? And you've just sort of uh, uh, sent people out for different jobs, different responsibilities, I guess, how do you manage that aspect given some of the limitations? So, so what we saw in terms of employment is we saw the people who weren't working full time. Yeah. Just, went away. You know, if you were a student, you were working six hours on cash. You worked at the Lane Avenue restaurant, you were working six or eight hours a week on cash. You just stopped. You just stopped coming. Mainly because maybe you went back to home in Pennsylvania. But we saw a lot of our part-time employment drop off. Uh, and those were kind of self-furloughed mm-hmm. um, for the most part because we're fast casual and we've been serving to go uh, in curbside. We've, we've been able to employ a lot of our team members who wanted to work. Um, and I think that's been kind of a blessing for not only the company, but for the local economy, for guests to get something. I assume you cook at home. My wife is a former chef and we were talking on Monday night and she's like, you know what? I'm just sick and tired of cooking. We did the math today. It's like day 50 since yeah. my kids. Came. A lot of our people that were working less than 15 or 20 hours, 15 hours a week have to call out of the workforce, but because we're focused on to go curbside delivery, we're getting a lot of those team members who were there to still be employed, which is mm-hmm. nice. You set me up for a nice transition here. Uh, we talked about this previously a couple of weeks ago, but but now that you're a few more weeks into this, carry out and delivery has been the business, obviously. Uh, yeah. Dining rooms have closed down, but that wasn't necessarily a large part of what you were doing before. So I guess what, you know, going forward, how much of, a, of the pie do you think carry out and delivery will be once you're able to um, get back to something resembling more normal dining room operations? I think it'll be bigger than ever forever. It started out for us decent, but it's grown over the last three years, right? It's grown by digit over the last three years. Um, it'll continue to grow. Previous to the, this pandemic, we saw a lot of users who were third-party delivery users. So DoorDash, Uber Eats, Caviar, they would order through us through their those third-party apps. What we've seen since the pandemic is we've seen a large shift into people going to Mm mypiata.com, which is our online aggregator. And what that says to us is that we've seen a lot of adoption of third-party delivery of guests who never used it before. They weren't early adopters. They Mm -hmm. weren't seeing a larger demographic of people who were older and weren't necessarily in the third-party apps going to mypiata.com. So overall, I do believe some of those people will drop off. Mm-hmm. and go back to servicing in the restaurant or curbside. But I think the third party will continue to grow over the long term. The tough part is you've seen, and I know you get the, the information, you're seeing cities cap the rates. And so let's do the math, right? If let's just say 30% of your 
to go business, your 30% of your business before was to go and 10% was catering and, you know, 40% was 40% was in store and, you know, 20, 10 or 20%, 10% was, was mypiata.com. Okay. Now you take away all the profitability centers that you have, which is catering, which is in store. Those are dollar dollars. Yeah. If you've got a straight line deal with DoorDash or Uber Eats or Caviar or, or Grubhub, you're at 30, you're at 70 cent dollars. Now take away all your dollar dollars. So the only dollar you make is 70 cents. And, and, you know, when Cameron gets on the phone and he talks about where he gets on the TV and he talks about, you know, when my business is 7% down and my, my occupancy is 7%, now my occupancy is 14%. I can't, yep. I can't pay that. So you'll see a big struggle with operators pushing back from third party. Mm-hmm. I think if, if you gave everybody an opportunity to self-deliver easily, everybody would because it, it really is hurting the industry right now. I think that DoorDash provides a great service. Uber Eats provides a great service. These are integral to the lives of Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, it's hurting the businesses that are open because of the large chunk of it that's it's pulling now. When you have all these other layers of business on it, it's part of the business model and it works. But as it's as the other dollar dollars have dropped off, it's exacerbated the problem. I don't want to put you on the spot, he says, while putting you on the spot. But uh, the uh, uh, is Piata. Do you do you guys do your own delivery in addition to the third parties, or is that something you would maybe look to do? We don't. I'm telling you, we, uh, Chris has pushed us really heavily on it. Yeah. Um, because when you, as a business person, you look at the you look at what you're paying out. Mm-hmm. You know, and for a while, um, our third party did, you know, they did a discounted rate for us mm-hmm. and, and it was working well. Yeah. But then when those over the last couple of weeks, those rates have expired. Yeah. And what we're seeing is a huge chunk uh, out of what we were doing before. You know, the profitability is it takes not that there's profitability, but, you know, when you're looking at your numbers at the end of the week, you're seeing you're seeing huge chunks taken out yeah. because you don't have those dollar dollars. So we've talked about it. Um, he's pushing us on it. I, it's a can of worms. One of the things about the gig economy in that specific way is that when you're a company like a third-party delivery company, you've got a big herd of people to pull mm-hmm. from. So if you don't want to deliver today, fine, I'll deliver today. Matters not. But if we do self-delivery, uh, I don't know if we'll have the gig, the pool to pull from. If you call in sick, and I'm already working. We're met. We're 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 done. Yeah. We can't get delivered. And then we become unreliable. And then you know what guests do? They just go to the next service. They go to the next restaurant that's their mm-hmm. favorite. We're trying to figure out a better way to, to build that mousetrap. Gotcha. Um, going to go back to something else that we had talked about previously. Uh, since I'm recording you now for, for a podcast, but uh, you made some menu additions here in the last uh, month or two. Family meals, yeah. uh, pasta bakes. Um, how much of that do you think might be part of the the offering going forward? For us, it's fairly easy to keep those menu line extensions mm-hmm. going. We've had some good uptake on it. It 
has filled a void for the guest um, who didn't want to get hot food but needed a meal for later. And it, frankly, it's been it's been news versus bad news. So you've got to look at when you're when you're always on social and you're trying to keep top of mind with the guest. You need to have you need to have new news, not like hey, the sky is falling again. It's been a it's been a decent amount for us. I wish it was larger. Yeah. Uh, but I understand yeah. people want their favorites. But I do think it will be an additional occasion moving down the road. Where, you know, uh, and the one thing that I really love is we've done our piata sticks that you bake them at home. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's how they're, they're best. They're best when they're fresh out of the oven. You know, if you've got, you know, if, you, if you're going somewhere, those sticks are amazing as an appetizer cut up. So they will be a part of our, our menu going on forever. Um, and they translate easily into catering as well. So a lot of the things that we're designing, we're not bringing in um, new products as you look at if the, how quickly the 100% capacity recovers um, that businesses were used to before, adding a line extension doesn't make sense if it's a new product, but using what we currently already have and strengthening the skills that we have our team with uh, will be helpful. So, you know what, I had somebody, it was funny, we had two people from our marketing team on a, on a call, on a, on a Hangouts call a couple minutes ago, and they were talking about, we, they both had the uh, chicken and, and broccoli take and bake. And one person said, oh my God, I love that. And the other person said it was a little bit too much sauce. So, you know, it's good to hear that it wasn't dry, but there's <laughs> going to be, you know, there's always going to be somebody's. And the other thing is, is that a three, your 350 degree oven might be running at 300. Yeah. yeah. And mine might be running at 425. So we think it's going to be part of our business for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's another occasion. I'm looking at my notes here. I cannot think of anything else to ask you. Is there anything you can sure. think of about what uh, what you guys have been doing, what you've been thinking about, what you're looking at uh, that I haven't asked you about? Or just general what we think about on a daily basis is, is first of all, we, we, we broke this, this crisis down into a couple pieces. Mm-hmm. We said the first thing we're going to do is continue to pay our team. Whatever money we have, mm-hmm. first thing goes to payroll. Second thing goes to the vendors, to the food vendors. And we've had to negotiate hard to make sure that for our vendors, you know, they're, we, we'll say, hey, we'll pay, you, we'll pay you currently, but can you hold this amount and we'll get you caught up because we're your, we're your partner. Yeah. And most people have been amazing. Uh, actually, everybody's been amazing. So the first thing was to, is to take care, of our, take care of our team, our vendors, and obviously our guests by being open and providing a service. The second thing that we focused on is how do we come out of this at the end? How do we position ourselves to, to continue the, the, the dominance that we had or the, the good fortune that we've had in the past year and six months? And what does that look like for 2021? Because I think that you know, unless you're, unless you're the, the big burrito chain with $900 million in the bank, you're probably not going to be uh, expanding rapidly in 2020. But we are looking at, we've had been in contact with some of our realtors in the markets that we want to go into. Hey, listen, we were looking here. Is anything available? Because those, you know, if you, it all depends. And if you listen to some of the reports, they're saying anywhere between 80 and 150,000 restaurants aren't going to reopen. That's incredibly sad. 
first and foremost, because it's a lot of great chefs, great restaurateurs, a lot of people who will lose, right? But the other thing we focused on is when we come out of this, how do we look for those sites that are available? How do we continue to give opportunities to our team? How do we allow people to grow while we grow our business? So the last piece of it is how do we position ourselves to continue in the markets that we want to be in? Pittsburgh, Dallas, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Indi you know, Indianapolis, Dayton. And, and what are the opportunities there that we can continue to, to grow as a company? Matt, thank you as always for taking some time out of your day to chat with me. My uh, pleasure. Uh, it's a pleasure chatting with you and uh, I will let you go. All right, take care, bye-bye. Yeah.